0: I am sitting with Ilan Ragebaum uh, in the heart of Jerusalem. I learned about Ilan from a great article that was written by Mo Mernick about Ilan in a column from nine to five. I read this column and I said, this is a teacher that I need to learn from and want to share with others. um." Uh, Ilan, can you just share a little bit about your professional history and also just your aliyah, uh, where you came from, where you are now? Sure. Thanks for having me.
1: Um, I moved to Israel about five years ago, grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, studied at Yeshiva University in New York, uh, originally from South Africa, and scattered and all of that. Uh, high school founded a, a company, two companies, sold one of them, one of them failed, worked a little bit in venture capital in Israel, and for the last uh, couple of years was in the Air Force in various uh, positions throughout the IDF as Chief Innovation Officer for the IDF spokesperson and running the Innovation in of the Air Force. And today I am the director of CIFTEC.
0: Amazing. thanks so much for giving us some of your time. I know how busy you are. Ilan is running for me at the meeting, so I appreciate that we have a chance to speak a little bit. Uh, so, and just clearly you had an amazing career, career that was building in the States. You, you know, launched the company, one succeeded, one field. You succeeded by failing, so it's all, it's all great. So you have two successes. You go to Sims for university. You're from Atlanta, so it's obviously got the Southern charm going for you. Uh, why, Elia, yeah, why you moved to Israel with things that are going so well? There's the old
1: uh, joke. Um, as some people may have heard me say this before, but uh, the old joke in Israel is how do you uh, have a small fortune in Israel? You move here with a big one. Right. Israel was not often known as the financial uh, center of any, anything. <laughs> And I like to think of that joke, a new version of that joke. Okay. Like, How do you have a small fortune?
0: It's not funny to me. Yeah, it's not a funny joke. Yeah, it's not uh, funny to personal three. But, but I think my. It's a very my, sad my, joke. <laughs>
1: my version of the joke is yes. funny. Is that, How do you have a small fortune here? You sell your startup to Intel for $15 billion. Uh. That's, right. <laughs> That's what happened with Mobileye. Mobileye was Jerusalem based company, $15 billion by Intel. And yes, hopefully we can all have such big exits like that. But the high tech ecosystem, what's happening here is just mind boggling. And so when I was still in college, I came on a program, I interned at a, uh, what was then Greylock uh, Partners in mm-hmm. Hurt's in venture capital. Now it's called 83 North, did a summer there and saw firsthand that Israel, it's, it's not just this uh, amazing country to visit, but there's also a lot of stuff happening in high tech scene. And so I thought I could either be living in the US and kind of be a small fish in a big pond, or move to Israel and try to figure out where I can find my, my space here.
0: Amazing. So one of the ways that we talked a little bit offline is mm-hmm. the way that you achieve that is really by focusing on networking, mm-hmm. right? Uh, alim come to Israel um, with a lot of ambition, a lot of hope, and, and the, the, the secret that we kind of don't talk about is a lot of Aleem leave, mm-hmm. right? And it's the people who share why they leave. It seems like the consistency is that Look, they love the country. They love the people. They have a connection here. Financially, it's just a different right? so They just feel like they're used to a certain type of lifestyle. They want to live that type of lifestyle. They want certain convenience. They want certain the prospect of where they could become. You know, how do you network appropriately in order to be able to build um, the economic opportunity that you want to have as an ally?
1: Well, I think stage one for networking is mindset. Yeah. Um, is First of all, knowing that despite all the amazing stuff happening in Israel, Israel's not a simple place to live. So if you <laughs> wow. you, you got to admit it. Um, if, you, uh, if you delude yourself, then it makes it even harder. So you move here. You got to know that it's it's culturally, financially, it's not not simple. But if you know that there's other benefits and other good things of, of being here, then it makes it much easier. So with that in mind, first of all, there's, there's no Jewish private school fees here, so you save a ton of money there. Thank you. Uh, health insurance fees. Uh, Thank so, you. Check so, check. So those are two big ones, but more on a professional side and, and the networking side. Once you've got that all in mind, is is knowing that when you come to Israel, what are you coming to Israel for? What are the kinds of people that will help, and how do you leverage that network and not just act like somebody that's shooting blindly and trying to just land whatever job uh, comes their way? So I think the key to moving here is the networking and networking with the plan, knowing you want to be in venture capital, you want to be in the startup world, or you want to be out of high-tech altogether. I think about 10% of the population works in high-tech, despite it being a much bigger contributor to GDP, but a very small number of people work in it. So there are other things that Israel still is amazing at, whether it be biotech and, uh, well, that's technology, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, water, agriculture, right. uh, a lot of different sectors that Israel is very good at that aren't directly part of the high-tech world. So whatever you want to be in, Pick that, understand who the key players are, and then start to build a plan, even before you've moved to Israel, about who you need to speak to, what are the kinds of connections you need to have, in, and in what sector, and then you start
0: moving from there. So this constant theme is, is it requires a lot of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it requires a lot of honesty and self-awareness, yeah. which a lot of people, myself included, struggle with a lot. So how do you become honest with yourself? Like, how do you get self-aware?
1: That's a really deep question. Um, At least when it comes to your career, I can't even give a straightforward answer because I kind of fell into the concept of working in venture capital. sounded like a cool industry. But over time, I keep trying to be very self-aware of what direction my career is taking me. Yet if you would have asked me uh, five years ago when I moved here, even before that, that today I'd be running a startup program in conjunction with Hebrew University or that I would have spent the last three years serving in the military, I would have, uh, no disrespect, laughed at you. <laughs> um, so uh, it's also, it's understanding kind of the general direction you want to go, uh, but also having the flexibility to say that, uh, as my grandmother used to say in, in better Yiddish than I'll say now, men's god laugh, man finds god laughs. You just have to have a good sense of humor uh, along the way and, and be flexible. So know the direction you want to go, know the people you want to meet, but also be very flexible in in. Having how your plans will change.
0: So if you, you use yourself and your process as a as a parable,
1: mm-hmm.
0: can you talk a lot a little bit about how you de- de- dealt with those stages?
1: Yeah. So so I guess stage one for me when I was still in college, I as I said, I I founded a company and uh, was was living off the proceeds of, of that uh, that company while I was in college, and so I knew very broadly. I wouldn't wouldn't call it a t- big exit. I wouldn't call it a tech company, but I still I had was bitten by the startup bug. Knew that area. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and so I heard about this concept called venture capital. and knew that there were a few graduates of Yeshiva University that had gotten into venture capital, but also I started to think, well, let's try to find whether it's graduates of, of my school, but let's find other people in Israel in this space and start emailing them cold emails. Yeah, um, saying
0: I want a summer internship. Can you tell me a little bit about how your cold email looked? Like, what was the it was, it was what terrible. was the, what, what was the headline? South um, Africa laughing guy looking to go to Israel. Well. It's. We it's, see. I like you. Don't do what I did. Um, <laughs> well, apparently worse. so you can tell. No, it, tell us. For,
1: this, for this first, this was part of the learning experience, is that I sent out emails to people um, like, uh, I'm, sure, I, I'm sure you know Michael Eisenberg, who's sure. a graduate of, of YU, runs one of the most successful venture yeah. capital funds in Israel now. <laughs> I sent him an email saying, hey, I more or less. I am at YU. You it looks like you guys do amazing stuff. I want to work in venture capital, wow. and then he responded back to me. He I got
0: a, you got a response back. So that was five years ago. You would not get a response back for that now. Probably. probably not. not. But, this, was yeah. you, this was probably
1: seven years ago. Seven years ago, like, ago uh, yeah. And he responded back to me one line saying, uh, um, "Sorry, we're not hiring." Oh. And um, and uh. looking back, well, I said what, what did I, what was I doing there? I was asking somebody for a job, somebody who's insanely busy, somebody who knows nothing about me, uh, who doesn't have a lot of time. And so all those emails, yes, I may have gotten some responses from myriad of, of people in the industry that I, that I messaged, but very few of them were real connections. And did I get anything out of them because I was asking them for something. And so then I, over the years, uh, if, Anyone who hasn't read the book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, I very much adopted that idea that, okay, I'm gonna, whether it's get a job, meet people, or more specifically or more broadly, build my network. How am I gonna get not just the Michael Eisenbergs of the world, but, but the people that are very busy, very successful, how am I gonna get them to speak to me and build a relationship with them? And what can I have to offer them? And so I started to reshape my networking uh, uh, strategy that when you would email somebody like that it's not saying hey I want a job so or, what if, can
0: you yeah get so me. if you were now looking back 7 years later 7 years back with your knowledge now what would be the title of the email you think or also, what it, would the email look like it would be thinking how can
1: i provide them some value so it would either, it, i wouldn't ask for a job or an internship i would ask them either for advice which while yes it's asking them for something you're sh- showing that person that you value their opinion and you're not asking something that's too difficult from them. But what I eventually started to do was I started a website, I started a blog, and uh, started interviewing people. So I would message different people and say, hey, I know you're busy, Can I have half an hour of your time to write a blog post about how you got to where you are.
0: And what was the, the target audience of the blog post? What, 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 what were the people who were reading? What, who Was, was the Venture Capital based specifically? So or? I don't think
1: many people even read it. Uh, okay. It was called VenturingCapitalist.com. And what was the name? Venturing capitalist.
0: That's a cool name. Yeah, well, wow, I think you could just sell that as the next company. Actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding on to the. Uh, hold on, uh, that 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 is venture beat is coming for you very quickly. Yes, yeah, so uh, I somehow got that that URL. Yeah, I can't. Know that is it. That.
1: Um, but <laughs> that yeah, sounds
0: very impressive.
1: I didn't have much readership despite the cool name. For me, it was that was the, the key in the door. Admittedly, a lot of those those old blogs are are still up there, but. If anyone happens to see, you'll see that there weren't many there. Because what happened oftentimes is that I would get somebody would see that they'd say, "Okay, cool. This guy's driven. He's he's trying to offer me some value, some publicity, or or, or get some advice from me as as uh, the successful entrepreneur that I was trying to interview." And and oftentimes they'll say, "You know what? I'm not too interested in being interviewed, but I'm happy to meet you half an hour for a coffee or, or speak to you or give you, give you some advice." So. While I didn't end up having to write too many blog posts because I was offering them something to an extent, then uh, they were more willing to talk to me.
0: And then how do you transition from asking for advice or a thought opinion to actually transition then you kinda have of a relationship? How does it transition then to asking for for yourself, right? For for a job or for an investment. How do you transition from that to this? One of the most annoying
1: things I think I see in, in this whole job search and, and networking world is that you'll get random emails from random people all saying, I want a job. And so even if you have the, the relationship with that person, if you reach out to them five years ago and then you never speak to them again, and then all of a sudden you're reaching out to them again, it just, it doesn't work that way either. Um, so I think there's two kind of key things to keep in mind. First one, um, Hillel fold um, who is also a networker, and Ole Uh, tech person in Israel uh, extraordinaire, Uh, he says it's always about giving, so when to be just as open to people asking you for stuff and making introductions and helping out when people ask you, so that also allows you to keep different connections up and going, up and and relevant. But the next part is, uh, I think, kind of an official term, but basically drip networking, uh, that you always have to keep that kind of low touch whether it's uh, so just, getting a
0: net the theme reference there yeah, theme driver, drip, yeah. drip networking. <laughs> so anybody who needs to understand that you should just research into the theme or uh, let there be water it's a great book also so to get what, what the heck just happened here so I mean, you, we're gonna keep the suspense we're not gonna yeah, tell we'll you but that was suspense. awesome you could so, be one of the cool kids if you, yeah I'm gonna uh, I'll, I'll trademark that drip, drip network beautiful that for, could uh, be with that and venturing venturing capital venturing. between those two I think you
1: just retired out so well yeah but but drip networking by no means i think my my term or my idea but the idea that that if you are always every out of every uh, holiday send out uh, an email to kind of the key people you want to keep a relationship with so saying happy new year or happy tonic or whatever it is keep a, a i'm not overly active on social media but i do post that i Think are more generally interesting, but let people see the cool things that I'm doing, but also ideas or interesting things that I see. And oftentimes I'll meet somebody that follows me on social media and they didn't like what I posted, they didn't comment on it, but they still saw it. And when they see me sometime later, they at least know what's happening. So right. so having a well curated social media presence can, can
0: be helpful. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I found. Just in addition to what you're saying, and I, I wonder if you, how you feel about this, but my approach is often I would tell a person uh, once the relationship is built, I said, I'm looking for uh, this position. Do you know among your friends or individuals that you're in your network that might be a good fit? Mm-hmm. So I found that rather than asking, do you have a job uh, directly, because sure. I think I do, you know, I'd rather ask, do you know in your network who does? And then that kind of gives them that lack of awkwardness of saying i'm sorry i can't hire you they just you'll know you know they might think in their mind okay maybe he'll be good for me or not so that just i found that to be an interesting tool that, that i've used quite frequently yeah
1: there's lots of ways of asking somebody to hire you without asking them to hire you um you could very broadly just say hey i'm um i'm looking to get into the world of venture capital um i want to know how i can be like you in five years yeah well, then instantly they know that, okay, you're coming to Israel without a job and you're asking for advice on how to get a job. If you really impress them in that interview or that, that just that, that session and meeting with them, well, then perhaps they'll, they'll say, you know what, actually, maybe uh, I'll uh, I'll hire this guy. And, and I have a friend, Maid Aliyah, um, I won't mention his name just because uh, I think he shared the story of confidence, but Maid Aliyah from uh, to Israel, and within using this exact kind of thing, networking, speaking to people, he didn't have any background in venture capital, and within a month had offers from, I think, three different funds, because he would sit down with these people, build a very strong connection, even before he moved to Israel. And when he would sit down with somebody and said, well, how did you get your job, and how did you become a partner at your fund? And they realized, well, this guy's actually really legit. They actually ended up offering him a job. So it doesn't always work like that. It didn't work like that for me. But I think 10
0: definitely help you. So I, I want to just, before we circle back to this, I want to touch base about the army. Because that's really interesting. When we think about the army, we think rank. We think uh, structure. We think government. We think DMV. Yeah, uh, We don't think innovation. Uh, we don't think creativity. We don't think uh, those elements of a startup, which is very much emboldening a team. We, it's usually thinking more like dictatorship and orders. Mm. So can you just talk to that a little bit just in terms of you know, innovation in the army, what you saw with your own eyes? Um, what can we learn from what the Israeli army is doing to potentially individuals in the largest
1: spectrum in the world? Overall, the IDF is the most informal military in the world. Um, they focus on the, top list, the 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 core, what's most important, keeping the country safe so it is yeah, very important. It's yeah. It's the most important thing. And while, uh, of course, in the military, you need to have discipline and rank and all that kind of stuff, it is all secondary to the, the, the goal of, of why the IDF exists. So if there is a situation where, and of course, this is a generalization, but if there's a low-ranking officer or soldier who has a, a better idea, a better way of doing something and has not the chutzpah, but, but, but respectfully brings up the way of doing something or, or figures out a way of starting a program that is relevant to the Army, then there's a lot more openness to that kind of stuff. And I'll give the example of I had to do six months in the Army. I ended up signing more and more as I really was enjoying my job in the Air Force Innovation Unit, and me along with, with two other soldiers, and even none of us were officers, the sole a opportunity to, to create an accelerator which took ideas from soldiers and, and senior officers, built teams around them and accelerated these internal startups, in air quotes, um, to solve internal problems for the, the IDF. Yeah. And I did this no budget, no permission from any of our commanders, uh, no support. And today, the third batch of that accelerator will be starting, with the previous batch having had millions of investments, so now it is supported by the chief of staff of the Air Force. And I don't think that could happen in most other militaries or governmental bureaucratic organizations. It wasn't easy, but when I just the mere fact that I hardly ever would call my colonel by his title, it was I'd call him by his first name, and that informality allows you to focus on what's important. So that he knew me that I was a serious person, and and when I eventually started started the program, they were were still pushed back. but by the time that it was already established.
0: They wanted to become a part of it, so sold the value there. And probably the same kind of um, environment exists in the cor- corporate culture as well here in Israel to oh, yeah, some yeah. extent. So,
1: so much of the culture in the country comes from what happens in the army. Um, and maybe yeah. I'd love to say that I wish that we didn't have an army and we didn't need one, but because we do, and and what happens in the army, the responsibility given to kids, 18 year olds that come in and, and and rise up through the ranks, the amount of responsibility and the learning. Things they learn, the technologies and leadership skills, that then leaves and goes into the corporate space. So you do have a lot of, of if you just look at of pilots or, or officers or, or people, the kind of quintessential profile of a, of a CEO or CTO of a, of a successful tech startup, eighty two hundred cyber intelligence uh, uh, graduate. It's it's so cookie cutter now, but the amount that they gain from those those positions and the technologies and the things they're seeing, they're coming out at, say, even if they go to office school, early 20s, with real-world experience that it makes perfect sense that we're one of the world's leaders in cyber technology because they see it. So the corporate culture, the kinds of problems and technology we work on, so much of it comes from what
0: is happening with the IDF. So uh, my last question to you is a lot of Aleem don't have the privilege or the ability or the, the opportunity to go to the Army. Right? So we're, we're missing that little pot. Right? We're missing that educational infrastructure. So how do we make up for that? How do we identify our advantages, right? So we, we, haven't, we haven't gone through at We're not in a unit that our buddies are not forming companies that we're invited in. How do we identify our own strengths right. that we can tap into that others would gain from going to the Army? I'll say this,
1: that, that I... Had I not been required, the rules have changed. But but when I made Aliyah, I was required to serve six months. I would not have served otherwise because just the guarantee of getting a good job. I got very very lucky that I got into an amazing unit for that first six months. But I would not have served if I hadn't been forced to, and I would have been much worse off. And my network would have been. I would have had to work a lot harder to get where I am today. And so. With Olim that now don't have that opportunity to serve for such a short amount of time, or or to they move here when they're older or whatever reason is that they, they don't serve, um, the the fact they have to play catch up. But there are other things that Olim come with that even the most successful graduate or or, or uh, um, veteran of the army doesn't have. So first of all, it's your language, it's your understanding of, of the culture outside of Israel at the end of the day the, the biggest market that Israel faces and, and Israeli startups uh, approach is not Israel yeah. so you have to leverage what you've done in America your connections your your understanding of the, the culture to to Israelis and make them understand what you can, can offer but also we have as Olim, we have our own amazing network the, the amazing you can reach out to almost any Olin that is in a su- successful position uh, across the country, and say, hey, I'm not, I know you're busy, I, I know people at, at senior Fortune 500 companies, global companies that, that are running their offices, they're only running their offices, I believe the previous head of, uh, of Intel in Israel. Um, she she was from South Africa, lived here a very long time, but, hola, hola, reaching out to them and saying, building the connections, creating events that connect Olim and, and those networks, those can be Incredibly valuable as well. You're having so many successful Olim that are coming here. Well, why not try and leverage it? And a great example, two friends of mine from Tel Aviv um, started what's called Olim and Tech, amazing program. They have all these great startups, VCs, it's expanded to outside of, of tech now. They have all different types of speakers, they're doing courses. It's a network for Olim in Tel Aviv. They've also now done events in, in Jerusalem. Use the network that we as Olim have, and it's not just the normal American Olim, but from all over the world. Let's leverage that to those connections. And so, when one olé now gets the job at whether it's the startup or the VC or, or in whatever other company, and that that company is now looking for a new salesperson, well, they're going to leverage their own network to find that that next salesperson. Because, and Olim aren't just good for sales; they can do a lot of good things. But the network that Olim can, can bring to the table. Um, is I think can be just as powerful um, as, as many of the networks that are made within the Army. And also you can leverage the Army network too to, to reach out to different you know, the 8200 Accelerator Air Force now is starting uh, um, the Alumni Association is starting an Accelerator in North Aviv, to reach out to other successful people that have the, the, the Army networks and to, to network with them and to build a true network with some graduate of 8200. Yes, it's not the same as serving in 8200 but to network with all different types of Israelis and going to events. I or I say you don't have to pay for, on a given night in Tel Aviv, pay for pizza, or beer. You can literally get it every night for free because there's so many meetups and conferences and, and you can meet so many people in one shot and be very efficient about it and continue to build your network and keep in touch with these people. So, um, so Yeah. Army definitely helps, but we've got our special special network with other women.
0: Amazing. amazing. Is there any uh, final words you want to share before we uh, move on?
1: Um, not, uh, I, I, I just can't emphasize enough the importance of networking. And however uh, I can
0: help, um, uh, please find me on, on social media. What's um, the best way people can get in touch with? And also, who is it to have a profile of the best person that is best to reach out to you?
1: So uh, through, through LinkedIn um, is, is a good way, um, and I'm, my background is most of the people that, that reach out to me are, are students looking to move here or, or younger individuals, uh, people looking to get into the start of high-tech world. I also help lots of people understand what their, their options are when it comes to the Army, uh, how to use their degrees in the Army, do more mm-hmm. academic roles uh, and less combat roles in the army. Um, but as a younger person moving to Israel, however, I can, whatever advice I can give there, introductions I can make, I'm, I'm more than happy to help.
0: I, I really appreciate you speaking with me and being able to educate us. I think uh, just, just saying this again is that uh, we have to leverage each other's networks. We have to be able to work together because, again, we are coming in out from the outside, but we're also giving something very special to this country. We're pioneers, right? We are the whole that are creating we're bringing something from our own background, which is needs, but we have to be able to be clearly articulated. Right? We have to explain to people how we can help. Um, one of the things that just um, is really important is to not, to not be a Nebach. Right? We're coming to this country to give, and the more we give to this country, the country will be able to give back to us. right? So, um, Thank you so much for being a giver and uh, being able to teach us. Thanks.
1: I've learned from many other pioneers before me, uh, both both in recent times and well before that, but uh, however uh, I can help to continue to build Israel, the startup nation and beyond, Uh, it's an exciting place to be.